Eric Carr was more than a drummer. He was more than a member of KISS. From almost everything we hear about the guy, he was someone who was a very special person, someone who got to know their fans and really treated them like family. So we're very proud to have on podcast a, a person who was family for Eric Carr and um, who was very close to the man. This is his sister, Loretta Caravello, and this is an exclusive podcast interview you won't hear anywhere else. Give it a listen. Well, folks, no show about Eric Carr would be complete without this lady on the other end of the phone right now. Uh, folks, uh, on the other end is Loretta Caravello. Loretta, welcome. Hi. <laughs> How are you? Welcome to the podcast. Uh, we've been wanting to have you on since show one. You've always been open to the fans. Oh, yeah. Always, because without them, you know, just it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same. I mean, my brother, the whole thing about him was that he loved the fan. And that's, I think, what a lot of people forget when they get famous. I'll tell you the story about how I met your brother. I snuck backstage with fake backstage passes. We get back there, and at at the time, we figured Mar- uh, Mark St. John was in the band, and Bruce Kulick was, it was one of his first shows, you know, and we didn't really know who was going to be there and who wasn't. Anyway, we get back there, and uh, here comes Gene and Paul vaulting through, and, you know, they pass the little table with all the food and everything, and they just grab a couple girls, and they zoom out the side. Here comes Bruce Kulick. I don't know him him from Adam yet, but I'm like, hey, you did a great job, met him, and here comes Eric Carr, and he stopped, and he listened to everything we had to say, and he shook our hands, and he thanked us for coming. I I was just blown away, because this was one of the first times that someone from a rock band treated me like I mattered. Wow, and that's not, you know, that's not uncommon with him, because I've had fans tell me that he he would talk to them, like, let's say in, you know, 1985, and talk about... Oh, you're going to college, or this and that. And he would meet them years later, and he would say, "So, how's college been? Did you graduate yet?" And of course, when he when he spoke to the fans, people in general, he really listened. There's there's some people that'll say, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah," and then they don't hear what you're saying. And he did, and and he knew he he loved the fans, and that uh, that's what kept him going. Really, was everything he did was the fans and the love of music, just to to be out there with the fans. You really can't expect more from a guy that you listen to his albums. You can't you can't really expect more than that. Tell us all about your brother. Well, okay. He was, you know, when we were growing up, he was like a, a typical kid. But the thing was that when the Beatles came out, everybody, you know, in my age bracket, we were, we were into the Beatles, and everybody had to play the guitar and this and that and the other thing. And so what happened was he took up the guitar first, and I took up the drums. But... He got jealous, and he took the drums, and I took the guitar. But, you know, growing up, he was just, we had closeness at certain points, hanging out, and we were like bosom buddies. And then after a while, you get a little older, you hang out with your girlfriends and stuff. But he was a typical kid, but he always had long hair, and always the neighbors would be like, why don't you cut his hair? Why don't you cut his hair? We were, we were Italian, and we lived on this block with a lot of different people, and they would always pick on our family with the hair because we, we were like yuppies and hippies and all this kind of stuff, you know. But he was he was typical but yet unique in, in that respect that he would come home after school and instead of hanging out, he would go into his little room and, and in the beginning he only had like a drum pad 
and he would use some of my mother's pots and pans, you know, because Italian people always have the spaghetti pans and everything. And uh, then after that, he would just go and practice, put his earphones on, and play to all the music. So, I mean, you know, just a typical guy, but a, a very dedicated person. I was out, you know, playing around, and he was in, in his room practicing. Very dedicated. Now, you mentioned the Beatles. Who was he into, and who were you into? Well, he was, he was a, a Ringo guy because of the drums, and I was a John Lennon girl. But that was his favorite was Ringo, and also he was into um, John Bottom, but that would have been later. But Ringo was his idol. He thought he was Ringo. He used to wear the, like the hair like the Beatles with the, with the uh, bangs and everything. We've seen those pictures. Oh, you have? Yeah, those were the yeah. high school pictures, actually. Junior high. Not necessarily the best look for him. No, no, <laughs> and that's the that's the hair that that everybody in the block would say. Why didn't you cut the hair? Why didn't you cut his hair to us? It was really, you know, we were the, the I guess the misfits on the block at that point because he he had the long hair and, and having long hair up to your shoulder in those days was like unheard of. Yeah. You know, but uh, as the years went by, the people that that knew us when you know we were younger like that have come back and said hey you know Paulie really made it you know he really did well what was his full name Paul Charles Caravello we we all have to find our voice would you say he was fairly soft spoken most of his life yes very very shy um recently some people from his high school days contacted me you know now you can do all that kind of stuff and they had a, a class reunion and um, they told me stories that were just amazing. He, he actually he didn't even date till he was like 18 years old, 19 years old. Um, always very shy, but always very funny. Yeah, and they, would, they actually set up um, a table for him at the reunion. And this was done two years ago. And they just put his picture on there and, his, and drumsticks and stuff. And they just, you know, because he was such a, a guy with such a sense of humor that they, mm-hmm. my brother would enjoy that. He would have wanted to be there, you know. But the stories—he was very shy, very, very shy. But but had a lot of friends, but still very shy. Now, how did he fare? Because I I, I know that he played like in a pop, almost disco kind of band, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the name of that band? That band would have been um, Bionic Boogie. Bionic Boogie. Now, when you yeah. when you yeah, think yeah. about the pantheon of horrible names, that's right up there. Oh. Please, there was uh, creation, Mother Nature, Father Time, Bionic Boogie, things that go bump in the night. That's that's a band that just was in between those two that nobody even heard of. Wow! Basically. But it lasted about you know five or six months and it was over. But he was in a, a whole bunch of bands, all different types. The next two tracks you'll be hearing are from Eric Carr's pre-Kiss band, Creation. The single is from 1974 and 1975. Two songs you'll be hearing are I'm So Lonely, backed with Something Telling Me. Special thanks to Julian Gill of Kiss Fact for providing us with these songs.
And then there was the Sellerman. That well, the Sellerman was the first band he was in was called the Allures. That was three three guys, and they lived in Flushing. And um, he used to go there with my father, and they used to walk up this big apartment building. My father and him used to carry the drums up. And he, he God take bless it him. Yeah, he couldn't take it anymore, my brother. So he kind of left the band, and he says, I'm going to form my own band. I can't, you know, deal with this back and forth. So he formed a band in called the Cellarman because my father used to do cellar doors, and, and years ago, uh, cellar doors. You know what those are, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So See, I always he, thought that, that that he got the name the Cellarman from, like, the Beatles because they played, like, down in the cellar and all that stuff. I always... No, I was because my dad would, would, my brother used to uh, go with him, and he used to work building cellar doors. My brother was really good at that. And that's when he was really young, and uh, that's how he got the name. And But they did press, you know, play in the basement. That's exactly where it was when we lived mm-hmm. in Belmont Avenue in Brooklyn. He was, they were in the basement, you know, almost three, four days a week. Well, let's thank God your dad wasn't a proctologist. Who knows what the... No. <laughs> Yeah, Who knows know, what the really. name of the band might have been? <laughs> I don't want to think of what he would have been, my brother. <laughs> and he probably would have liked it, you know. But uh, no, he, he, my father was a cellar. He did cellar doors. He did stoves. My brother worked with him. This was all when my brother was playing music. He worked with him, um, you know, fixing stoves. My brother was amazing. He could walk in your house and, and fix your stove for you. Very hard worker. Very hard worker. It wasn't, you know, just everything handed to him. This This guy broke his butt. Physically, mentally, and, you know, he had a lot of rough times, but he always managed to pull himself out.
were you a Kiss fan at all no. prior to him coming in? That was no, no, not at all. I, I kind of was working as a window. I did window trim design. I used to work in big department stores, and we were doing the Halloween window. And I remember I was doing the Kiss costumes, and I couldn't wait to take the pins and like stick them in like voodoo dolls. So I just <laughs> kept. St- I, I didn't like them didn't like them at all. I think that was basically because uh, at that time, it's like anything else, when you see these people, you say, oh, look at these crazy guys just with makeup and all these millions of dollars they're making, mm-hmm. you know, and, and me, you know, I'm over here, and it was sort of an envy thing. It's human nature, the way people work, you know, the way they think most of the time. Well, you don't know. you also think that, like, a lot of people thought, who the hell are these guys? They came out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, and plus there were people that in the 70s, that you had the serious music, mm-hmm. and then what was this? You know what I mean? Yep. A lot of people kind of put that in two different categories. And, but uh, it was very good because when before my brother was in the band, I really didn't listen to them. But once he got in and I started, I said, they did that? They did this? Like, I had no idea. I never put the two the song together with the band, okay? But then I started to understand how really good they were. Eric becomes aware that Kiss is looking for a drummer. Can you tell us that story? Okay. Yeah, he was in a band called Flasher at the time. It was a three-piece band. Really good. They, you know, if, if there's any fans out there that want to look, there's a lot of, uh, you know, bootleg music going around with, with Flasher. They were terrific. You know, a lot of, a lot of his stuff is out there. But what happened was one of the band members told him that Kiss was auditioning for for a drummer. So I gave him the article, and my brother um, sent in a... a I, I don't even remember him doing this. This was all like, you know, your brother's doing something. Who, what do you care? You know, you're out with yeah. your friends hanging out. You don't know what's going on. Um, so he sent a resume, uh, um, and, you know, I never even saw him typing it, but I heard he typed it with one finger, which is pretty... <laughs> true, because I still have the typewriter right now, and, and you can see one finger mark hole. No, I'm kidding. But, <laughs> you know, I, I do have the typewriter still that he did it on. It was because he put it in an orange fluorescent envelope that basically, you know, from if you listen to Bill of Coins, that he picked that up because of the color of the envelope. Otherwise, it would have just went unnoticed. So, you know, that that we had no idea really until finally uh, we got a call, you know, Bill of Coins uh, called and asked him to come to audition. Think about fame and how things work out. And this is not a slight against your brother's uh, talent in any way, shape, or form, but he really won the lottery in a way. I mean, he did. He 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 won it halfway. You see, he bought the ticket, but he 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 didn't got lucky, but he still earned it because there were a lot of drummers that were there that were. I I think from what I heard, Joey Ramone was there. When it, whoever played drums for the Ramones, um, a lot of famous drummers, a lot of drummers were there auditioning for this. Um, so he he got lucky in in terms of that he made it to the audition, but he earned being in KISS. Absolutely. That's just a lesson for anybody out there listening. Uh, how many people would have thought, Why, I'm not even going to bother to try? There's got to be right. so many people trying that out. So you really do make your own lot in life in a lot of you ways. You do. So. You make your own destiny. You know, I mean, some a lot of it, you know is pre- preordained but a lot of it you can you can change things if you really try hard enough or you can achieve things if you put your mind to it it's kind of a lesson he's he's kind of given to the fans they don't give up we've heard the story about how 
He actually went and did the audition. Right. He asked them for their autographs thinking, I've got no shot here at all. <laughs> yeah, more than likely, yeah. Which is kind of strange, you know, when you think about how Destiny played out. You know, do you, you still have those autographs by any chance? <laughs> I wish I did. <laughs> if I had them, I wouldn't even know them. You know, yeah. but, I mean, he saved a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. But uh, throughout the years, I've not come across anything like that, no. Okay. Because no. I think be that would gone. be... They could be in his uh, pocket somewhere, you know, when he washed his clothes, you know. What I mean? <laughs> that's, that's a really neat piece of history right there well there is there is the audition tape yeah that's out there and just quickly we're putting out a cd this year of a lot of stuff that was unreleased that eric did or stuff we discovered or uh, even music that's unfinished so when you see what we did with it because we had ted poley uh bruce kulik a lot of people come in aj perot come in and it's almost like what the Beatles did with John Lennon's music. These people actually are playing with him, and we've completed the music. So you're going to hear a lot of stuff that is like he's sitting in the studio with these people. A lot of helpful musicians helped. Can you please tell me a little bit about the first time you saw him in that costume and what went through your mind? Well, what I remember the most was when he... We lived in Eldridge Lane in, in, in uh, Queens. This is Woodhaven, Queens, and... I remember he used to come home with a big thing, of, of, like a suitcase full of makeup. And he actually would have to practice, and he would be sitting in his room for hours and come out, you know, with the makeup on. He would have the heels. He would walk around. And a lot of times he fell. He lost his balance. And yeah, it, was, it was comical. It was hilarious. And you it think about fun. the uh, stink your neighbors had over a little bit of long hair, if they would have saw him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this is a different different neighborhood now. We moved from Brooklyn now to Woodhaven. So the new neighbors knew Paulie as just this guy, you know, because he, he lived in Star City in Brooklyn, so he used to come over all the time, but his hair was almost, you know, down to his waist mm-hmm. before he got into Kiss. But, you know, the neighbors all knew who he was, but then all of a sudden they seen this, this change, and why is a limousine pulling up, or where did he get this car from, or... But then everybody in the neighborhood knew who he was after. And it was no big deal. Oh, Paulie's home. Well, that's Paulie. Or he used to sit on the stoop, talk to people. It was just, he never changed. He really just never changed the way he was. So what was your first thought when you saw him in that makeup? Scary. Scary. Scary in what way? Whoa. I actually have some pictures I took of him in the front room. Uh, they're kind of dark, but I have them. And he's standing there. He took a few pictures with the makeup on. Uh, you know, it's a little spooky looking. But then, you know, it was just we got used to him, to just seeing him walk back and forth in the kitchen and, tr- and try to eat spaghetti and then go put his makeup on. You know, it was a, <laughs> yeah, it was a long duration before um, he got he got it down to a science. We've heard about the hawk makeup, which was a... Right. Did you ever see that get up? No, thank goodness. Yeah, it kind of looked... That was hilarious. That was... (laughs) Whoever came up with that was, you know, come on. That would have really been humiliating for him. Poor poor Eric. He he thought he was auditioning for Kiss. It turns out he was auditioning for Big Bird, so... Yeah, that would have been awful. No, for Sesame Street, probably. Mm Mm-hmm. But, no, that that was a real stinker. That was bad. Wow. So it ended up up the right way. 
as things usually do if you know you pursue it. What did you guys think when he had to change his name? Well, that that was uh, it was it was cool, but it was frustrating because you know it was a thing where you, here's your brother who's in the biggest band in the world, all right, for the most part. And, you know, you'd say, ah, you know, my brother's real famous, you know, he's really, yeah, who is he? I can't tell you. <laughs> and that was very frustrating for all of us. I used to go to work and they used to say, what, what are you talking about? And and then sometimes he would come in. I worked in a, a clothing store in, at that time and I, you know, and he would come in and he'd have no makeup on, of course, and he'd sit down and talk to me for a little while and everybody knew Paulie. And they'd say, what, what is she talking about? What band is he in? You know, and you could never tell him. That was a little frustrating because he was so proud. You just wanted to shout from the mountain, but you couldn't. Well, didn't that hair, wasn't that hair a tip-off that he was, you know, because his hair got to be bigger than he was at some point. Yeah, yeah it was a tip-off. <laughs> it was. I mean, it, you knew there was a change going on, but people, you, unless you, you told people, they wondered, but when he was in Eldridge Lane, early on, that was when we moved there. I'm trying to piece it together. We were in Eldridge Lane when he got into Kiss. Right, okay. But it, people would see him getting in a limousine once in a while, or they saw the car, and but they still didn't know the band. But then as the few years went by, everybody knew the band once they took the makeup off. Mm-hmm. But it was still the same Paulie walking in the house or sitting on the steps. Right. You know, nobody really made a fuss. The only the t- thing basically that would happen was uh, sometimes we'd get a lot of kids sitting outside waiting for him. And uh, he he was great. Come home, sit. Some of them came in the house. Just just the only time was when somebody rang the bell like 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, brother. He says, oh, man, dude, you know, what do you, don't ring the bell this late at night. You know, you're going to scare my parents, you know. He's a creature they, of the night, but this is ridiculous. Yeah, that was really, you know, but I guess, you know, they were so overwhelmed, the kids. But you could come home on any given day, and they'd be leaning against the cars outside in the front and waiting for my brother. What was the first time that you, uh, you guys saw him live with the band? That that was at the Palladium, of course. Okay. Now, did your folks go? Yeah. You kidding? Yeah. How yeah, could they not? Sissy. My sister, my brother-in-law, who who was in the settlement with my brother when he was young. He married my sister, um, David, that is. And, um, no, we went to, to uh, what, what happened was my brother was working with my father at a place called Jamaica Stoves, and they were also delivering furniture at that time. And my brother actually was still going back and forth with my father to the place and then was was rehearsing with Kiss at the same time. Wow. And Yeah, and then my father and we were outside the Palladium, and and he saw the, the two sons of the, the store owner, and they said, what are you doing here, Al? What are you doing? My father said, oh, you know, my, my daughters, they love Kiss, so I took them to see Kiss because he has a real heavy, you know, Brooklyn accent. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that the kids were watching the guy that was delivering furniture for their father on the stage and didn't even know it. Wow. So it was totally bizarre, but it was a lot of fun, you know. You say Eric was kind of balancing the two things. Was that uh, maybe thinking, well, what if this doesn't turn out? I still have to do this? Or did you think he was just trying to help your dad out? Or I think he was just trying to help my dad, and he didn't want to suddenly quit a job like that. My brother was not like that. You know, he, 
he did he didn't wasn't there every minute of the day with my father, but he did a few things towards the end until we went with Kiss uh, full time. Yeah, yeah, because wow. he wasn't supposed to, you know, let anybody know who he was. So I guess he was so used to doing that sort of stuff that it came natural to just do a, a couple of things with my father. And but as far as the people were concerned, my brother was still, you know, employed basically with them. Well, nobody knew the kiss thing was happening. No, no, because you you didn't know who my brother was. He might as well have been Batman or Superman or Spider Man. Well, that's what I said. That's what was so hard about it. You know, was people hey, my brother's famous. Yeah, all right, go ahead, tell us another one. You know, who's your brother? I can't tell you. You know, you know who does that. You know what I mean? But that's what was going on. So it, it was very hard, very very hard because so- we could not say a word. And the makeup had a double-edged sword to it. I mean, there's your brother on national television, but he's covered up in this garb, in this outfit, with this makeup. Well, it probably was hard for him also, when you think about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, even though, you know, he was able to take the makeup off and, you know, they functioned uh, with girls or parties, whatever, you know, where cameras probably weren't let in. But, you know, it it was probably hard for him also because he was so proud of what he accomplished but yet he couldn't tell anybody. There were some people that knew, you know, his closest of friends. Um, but still, it, it was, you know, it's, it, you put yourself in that position. Uh, but still, I think just playing with, with the band was, you know, overwhelming and, and more than enough for him until they removed the makeup. And now, back to Kids Are People too. Hi, I'm Ace. I'm Gene. I'm Paul, and today we're going to introduce the newest member of KISS, the Fox, Eric Carr. <sighs> Who's a KISS fan here? Are you a KISS fan? Do you like him? Yeah. Who's your favorite? Peter Chris. I mean, Ace. Ace is your favorite, huh? We got a bunch of KISS fans. You're wearing a KISS t-shirt. You've been to a concert? Yeah, three. Three concerts? Well, so you want to stick around for KISS. It's going to be a great show, right? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think we created a little energy in here. It's kind of wild. Can everybody breathe okay now? Yeah, with all the great, explosions great. and everything. How you doing? Fine, great. Yeah. Gene, Super. let me ask you a question. You breathe fire sometimes in the in the concerts and stuff like that. How'd yeah. you get into that? Well, it was a famous magician whose name I won't divulge who taught me this under a secret secret oath. But I really don't want to tell you how to do it because it's obviously very very dangerous, and I don't want anybody to get hurt. These are really special effects that you take a long time to work out, right? Right. And this is something that we do only in the shows. We don't like to fool around with it. We don't like to make fun of it. This is a very, very serious subject. Paul, you, you're like the only member of the group that doesn't use those special effects. Why? I'm scared. No. <laughs> and, well, I do all the talking during the show, and I get, I get enough time to sing songs, so I leave the uh, dangerous work to them. I want to keep my hair looking good. <laughs> Ace, uh, what's your favorite part of the show? I guess the part where I uh, explode my guitar and, you know, it starts to smoke. <laughs> yeah! yeah. <laughs> been, somebody, somebody must have seen it. It's, uh, it flies in the air and, you know, it yeah. looks like, a little like Star Wars Revisited, you know. I know, it's kind of wild. I guess everybody knows, like, uh, the big topic of magazines and newspaper articles lately and everything has been kisses... Kiss's newest member, is that the proper way sure. to say it? Or yes. the newest member of Kiss. Anyway, we at Kids Are People too are going to uh, help Kiss welcome their newest member. So please give a big hand for the Fox, Eric Carr. Yeah. 
What a cute guy. What a cute well, guy. What do you think, girls? Is he a fox or what? <laughs> that was a very quick vote of yes, I think. Uh, well, welcome there, I think. Eric, uh, how's it feel now to be a member of KISS, which is not only a terrific rock group, but a phenomenon almost? It's great, Michael. It's like a dream come true for me. Really? really what did is. you think the first moment you knew you were going to be with him? I was very positive through the whole thing. You know, I just felt from the very beginning that it was going to happen to me and that it was going to be right. You know, I wish everybody sometime in their life could have an experience like this. It'd be great. I think they shared a little bit of yours. I know uh, our audience has got a ton of questions. You all will answer the questions. Okay, okay. Hey, okay. Hey, okay. Hey, here we go. Let me go into the audience. Okay. Get the question right. All right, let's start right here with a uh, Kiss t-shirt. What's your name? Gary Schwartz. All right, Gary, go ahead. Hi, Gary. Uh, about how much money during each tour do you spend on costumes? Boy, I huh. think, yeah, a lot. I think the last costumes cost us probably around sixty or seventy thousand dollars. For all of them, right? I mean, that isn't a piece. Is yeah, the, the reason for that is really because you can't go into a store and buy these things. You know, <laughs> if anybody, if anybody's trying to buy these boots at the local shoe store, really? you won't be able to do Plus, it. Well, you know, we have to have doubles and triples of everything just in case something gets damaged. You know? Yeah. Okay. Good question. We got a question over here. All right, stand up. Tell us who you are. Okay, go ahead. Ask. How do you feel about Peter Chris leaving the group? Well. I think we, we felt bad to, to lose Peter because he was a member of the family, but we really haven't lost him. We spend a lot of time with him, and he really is like family. You know, when you have a brother or sister, you don't lose them just because they, they move out of the house. It's really exciting to have Eric now because it's uh, another member of the family, and we don't forget Peter, and we spend a lot of time, and he told us to say hello. All right. Question, uh, okay, Let's right here. Let's hear from Peter Chris, huh? Okay, go ahead. You have a question? Uh, how did you start this group? Who are you asking a question? Oh, to anyone in general? Or? Yeah. Anyone. We started the band, uh, initially it was Paul and I that started in a different band, and then uh, we got ourselves a loft downtown on 23rd Street in New York City, and then Ace came in, and then, uh, no, I think it was Peter that came in next, and then Ace joined on guitar, and that was about seven years ago. We, we really wanted to do a big show, do something special. You know, we've always wanted to be more than just another rock band. Yeah, whose idea was that? Just everybody together, collectively? It's all of us. It really was a collective the, the amazing thing about the group is that everybody had the same idea, collectively. Mm -hmm. And we somehow, by fate, came together because everybody wanted to do a theatrical rock show. Mm -hmm. But so it's as much a show in your mind as it is a. As oh, a, yeah, a I think, I think the theatrics is, uh, are important as the music. Okay. Can you say that? <laughs> All right. Let's get another question right here. All right, stand up. Tell us who you are. Oh, Greg. All right, Greg, go ahead. Why did Peter Chris uh, quit the band? Peter just remarried. Uh, he's got himself a beautiful wife whose name is Debbie Svensk. She's gorgeous. You ever see the copper tone tan girl, that big one and the big posters? Yeah. That's his wife. And I think you did all right. <laughs> uh -huh. Okay, question right there. Come on over, all the way over. Holy all right. <laughs> Can I meet you halfway here? Excuse me, let me, I'll step on the top there. Okay. What's your name? Laura Sonar. Okay, Laura? Yes. All right, go ahead, Laura. How long does it take to put on your makeup? Well, it, it usually takes us about an hour because we really like it to look just right. But if we had to, we could probably do it in about a half hour. In about a half hour? Yeah, jeez. That's if the plane is late. <laughs> Eric, I just want to say that we're really proud that you came out for the first time on Kids of People 2. We want to wish you the best of luck and thank Thanks Kiss for being with us. Thank you. Bye -bye.
to you in part by approved data. Hi, this is Loretta Caravello. I'm Merrick's sister, and hi, everybody. You're listening to Pod Kissed. Enjoy it. Now, let's talk a little bit about the albums that he played on. Um, do you have a favorite that stands out in your mind? I have not a favorite, but so- songs from each one, basically, that I like. Like, I think Creatures was the best. That one I could listen to all the time. I never get tired of it. Same here. Because I think he's, yeah, I think it's it's like, you know, it, 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 the drumming and everything, even the, just the songs themselves were fabulous. It's a shame that it, you know, didn't uh, do better than it did. But it's really the benchmark, as far as I'm concerned, that's that's his album. Yes, yes, that was his favorite also. I believe his favorite song was Saint and Sinner. Oh, my God, the drums on that are amazing. Yeah. No, Excellent. It's, it's just so cool the way it's played. It's, like, so laid back that, you know, it, 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 but yet it's it's so so unique the way he did that. So so let's let's go back one. Let's go back to The Elder. This is finally his chance because now he's been on tour for like a year or so with the band and he's 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 got the gig everything's cool and now they're going to do a kiss album and he he comes home and he says yeah we're we're doing a kiss album but this one's kind of different what did he what did he think or say about the elders they were recording it i think the the, the thing that bothered him the most was his hair was cut uh, other than the he he was like oh my god look what they did to my hair I did, they did. you know he had this beautiful head of hair and then they made it short and I, I overheard him talking to I don't know maybe his girlfriend or something he's like oh my god I hate my hair oh it's hard you know so I think that that was more because you know that, that hair was like amazing but he he liked the album I think the album was like ahead of its time I, I happen to think that's one of the best albums they they did, you know, and the music on it. But it was just way ahead of its time, and uh, the kids couldn't accept it because it was so different from what they normally did. But he he lo- he liked the song. He he liked this under the rose. But I think he was unhappy with the way the chorus part came out of that, mm-hmm. like because it sounded too um, churchy or too like you know a, a Gregorian too chant, dark. Yeah, like too chanty. So he wasn't too pleased with that part of the song. Um, but other than that, the rest of it came out good. you know. But like I said, he never commented too much about his work in terms of that. He was, he was cool that way. He, he didn't come home and, you know, oh, you know what happened to me today? You know, not like me. I'm home every Friday. Hey, look at what he did. But he was more like his, what he did was his business. Okay, he'd comment mm-hmm. once in a while, or I'd ask him a question, he'd go, oh, I don't want to talk about that now, I don't do that all day long. You know, but to me it was like unique, because, oh, hey, Paul, you know, how, how does Gene act, or how, what does Gene do, or what does Paul, and, oh, I don't want to talk about that, I've been there all day long, you know. But it's like anything else, but he, he was a very private person when it came to that stuff. Of course, you saw him on TV, just like we all did. Uh, right. What was it like seeing him on Fridays and uh, Solid Gold and stuff like that for that? Oh, that was exciting. I was by my friend's house who, who knew my brother, you know, grew up with my brother also. And we were, like, all just sitting on the floor and watching it come on. And, like, you know, it, 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 the, the acoustics and stuff didn't sound that great, I don't think, on that particular night. You know, or they were loud or something. But just seeing him was, like, phenomenal. Like, oh, my God, that's my brother. I can't believe this, you know. 
it's still one of my favorite. I didn't watch it with my parents. I watched it by my friends, actually. Wow. It's too corny to sit with your parents. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you hang out with my parents, you know. Yeah, you got to be cool. Yeah, I was cool. Hey. <laughs> now, you mentioned Gene. It's weird because you see in a lot of clips, you see a lot of pictures, he's always hugging on Eric. Yes. What was up with that? My brother and him, uh, I guess they really loved each other. I know my brother loved him. He always seemed kind of protective of Eric. Well, because my brother was like really playful. He was, you know, he was a lot of fun, and he was a little—he was like a little dopey kid sometimes, and but mature, but still like very innocent in things he did. And you know, he looked up to Gene. He really did. He looked up. He admired him. You know, he—he he still, you know, not starstruck, not in that way. More like a brother. Plus, they had been through it already. And, yes. You know, and they're they like, hey, this is going to happen. Don't trust these people. This this is happening. This this is you know, be careful of this and stuff like that. So right, he was guiding him with a lot of things, and yeah, you know, I, I I see it too. Even even in pictures, I see it's always Gene and him hugging him, or you know, it, it was it was nice to see. Gene always seems like he has like a gang mentality. Like these are my people. Like these are my buddies. These are my gang. You know what I mean? It always yeah, seems no, like that. Protective. That's that's he's like the vibe. Businessman, but he's protective. You know, he's a very shrewd businessman. Very very smart. I have to ask. This is kind of off topic or whatever. But you ever watch his show? Yeah, I catch it. What do you I, think of I, it? I love his kids. I, I you know I I have some footage of Nicholas when he was young backstage. That was was filmed. Somebody gave it to me, and you know my niece was there, Sarah Jean, and you know it, 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 I only remember Nicholas when he was little, very little. Sophie wasn't born yet, but he, he's turning out to be a good kid. I hope he stays that way. He's turning out to be really, you know, he he, he looks like a good kid. But both of them do. They, yeah. they have their head on straight right now. They really do. Whoever would have thought they'd make a TV show, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, leave it to Gene. Instead of leave it to Gene, <laughs> leave it to Gene, you know? You name it, if you could have a casket, you could have a show. There you, know, you go. The way it is. I mean, Very... uh, I don't want to say what else they got out, but you know what things they put out. Yeah. The old they get you coming and going line. Oh, yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's go to Creatures now. Uh, there's a we, we did a podcast with John Humphrey of Seether. Oh yeah, he's he's a love. I like him. He's a and, great guy. Oh, he speaks incredibly highly of you. Yeah, he he, he just loves you to pieces. And uh we, we did a whole show with just him and and his uh his collection and, and all his thoughts and stuff and he had nothing but right. good to say about you and your brother. And he told us a story about the uh Creatures of the Night Gold album. Oh yeah. My only question oh, is uh yeah, hello? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm here. My my only question is why didn't I get one? But you know I under I understand how these things work out. Well, because I don't like you. you oh, know, I'm, kidding you. I'm kidding. You. But I'm we're both paisan. No, but you got to be Sicilian, you see, because ah, around. There you go. That's the difference. That's cool. No, he's he's a really cool guy, John. I mean, he's he basically contacted me. You know, he just loves my brother, and I've been in touch with him recently. You know, we email back and forth all the time, and. When he comes to to Jersey, he's going to come visit me. Excellent. He's a real. He wants to see all my brother's stuff, and you know, I don't have that much stuff, but 
guess he wants to see a drum kit or a few things that you know, wow. I don't mind sharing with him, some personal stuff that he would kind of like and appreciate. That's amazing. So, he's very uh, talented. Oh, definitely he is. Uh, yeah. he's, a, he's, a, he's a big fan of the show, so you can say hi to him. Hi, John, wherever you are. <laughs> As a matter of fact. I just got back from Guam or something. They were entertaining the troops. He just got a, a piece of my brother's drum kit also, actually. Oh, really? Crazy Nights. Yeah, yeah, we had sold the Crazy Nights drum kit um, for reasons, uh, you know, certain reasons. I, you know, my mother had passed away. and Right. Um, you know, try and help my dad with stuff. And my father is the type of guy that he's like, you know, he doesn't want anyone to forget my brother. And he said, you know, let's let's move this and this way the fans could have some of Eric. And you know, that's the way he is. The more he figures, the more stuff out there of my brother, the more they will never forget him. So you know, we we sold it to Kiss Museum, mm-hmm. um, and they put the pieces there and uh, I think they sold like in two days everything was gone so John was one of the lucky buyers let's let's talk about the creatures album again when you hear a track like uh, I love it loud is it just it's it's just so amazing I mean the, the the drum sound on there is is fantastic the producer got the best out of Eric as far as sound this brings us to another person in the band uh, Vinnie Vincent right and throughout this, I've kind of asked you a little bit about Gene. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Eric's interaction with Vinnie Vincent or any stories that you have about that? Well, I don't know too much about stories, but I'll tell you what. If you looked at my book's photo albums during the Look It Up era, mm-hmm. every other picture of, is Vinnie clowning around with him. Or So i I, I got to say they got along pretty damn good because if you see some of the, the, the photos... He, he was probably hung out a lot with him. Uh, he never said stories like I told you because my brother was pretty private that way. Um, but I think a picture says a thousand words, and we got like a half a million words with, with all the shots he took of him and clowning around and hugging each other and stuff. Have you ever thought about putting out a book like Eric Carr photo album? Yes, I have actually, but uh, it's, it's a lot of work. I mean... I'm a little leery in terms of I got to make sure who shot the picture. You know, it's it's right. like you could have a picture of my brother that looks like it's his, and then it could be someone else's. But I'm pretty sure now I know because he was meticulous, my brother, and on the back of each one he wrote exactly where it was and the date. So he was pretty good that way. But I think in time, um, this place in Australia called Magic Brands is going to put out a calendar of my brother, and they're looking into. To putting out a book, so you know, if people check ericcar.com, or of course you, mm-hmm. I'll let you know. You, you'll know everything that's happening with my brother. Well, please come back when when the time is right. And if you need uh, anything from a forward written or art, let me know. Yeah. I'll help you out. Well, they, they're going to put some iPod covers out or something, or laptop covers of my brother. That's going to yeah, that's going to be in Australia with these same people. They uh, the guys. Uh, did Kiss World. Do you remember Kiss World? Yes, yes. Yes. So his name is Peter, a real nice guy, Peter Hoffman, and uh, he's he formed a company called Magic Brands, and they do, I mean, they have the Beatles, they have the Rolling Stones, they all do all kind of iPod covers. So he came to me and my family, and he wants to do some of my brother, which is going to be pretty cool. Very good. Very good. Yeah. So now we, uh, we're, we, we went through Creatures, 
And now we're going to go to the night that they took off the makeup on MTV and the Lick It Up album. Finally, you were able to tell everybody, this is my brother. Right. So when I told them, they said, you're full of crap. No, I'm only <laughs> But no, everybody said, oh, that's poorly, poorly, poorly. And then I guess I, I, I didn't brag as much. The people that I knew at work, the people that I was really close to and really loved, knew. Okay? But even till today... People I work with had no idea who my brother was until somebody from the outside told them. And I've worked at this job for 15 years. So I never was like that braggadocious, but the people that were important knew. And, and you, didn't ha- you didn't even have to be told by me. I mean, the, the people in the neighborhood, you know, Kiss was pretty big. And they knew. They knew. Because they said, who, 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 what's with Paulie? Where did, where did he get the car from? Or... And then you'd start to put two and two together, and then we had neighbors, and everybody, you know, in those days, people were very tight. You knew your neighbor. Today, you don't want to be bothered most. That's true. That's true. So you had the Lick It Up album, and we've got tracks like All Hell's Breaking Loose. Can you tell us a little bit about that? That one. Well, I think he, well, actually, that, that song, I think, was one of his better ones, and he really liked that song. And I actually have a letter where he wrote my mother and father when he was touring, and he says, you know, I think this is going to be a hit, Mom and Dad. You know, the record company really likes it, and, and I can't wait to, to have it, you know, out there. And it's kind of cool. But he's very proud of that song, and I think that song is I don't think he got the notoriety it should have. I agree. You know, very heavy and, and you know, really cool song. It's kind of ahead of its time in a way. It was kind of rappy. Yeah. Yeah, if you, if you really, you know, look at a song like that and you closed your eyes and played it today on MTV or VH1, whatever it was, the kids would think that was from today. There's a lot of stuff like that out, you know, mm-hmm. that was ahead of its time. A lot of stuff with Kiss, a lot of stuff with other bands. One thing I want to get back to, which I, I can't believe I just let slip, uh, you were talking earlier about during the, the Elder that they asked him to cut his hair. They all were cutting their hair on that album. For some reason, I never thought about that as a directive from the band or... Oh, no. It was the whole, to change the whole look. And, and at that point, he loved his look. I mean, you, you, I mean, you yourself saw what his hair looked like. He, it was beautiful. I mean, you could tell with, with one thing about people that are famous or rock stars or anything, you could, when you see somebody walking down the street that looked like my brother or like Paul Stanton, you knew they were somebody just by the hair, okay? And, and all his life, you know, he had long hair, and it was either straight or it was frizzed out, afros or something. You, you, he never went to professional hair people, but when he saw how beautiful the hair was and how he looked, hey, why not? He was, he was a handsome guy, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he only looked ten times better with his hair like that. So, you know, to have to cut it and be short the way it was, he wasn't happy. Wasn't happy. Wow. You know, it's like a, like a woman when she got to, you know, puts on a few pounds and you don't like the way you look in that dress anymore, you know. Hey, we're all like that at some point. Yes, of course we are. We're all going to a degree. In his mind, was he happy about the dropping of the makeup and the costumes or? Um, he, it was about time, he thought. It was about time because they, they weren't getting far with the makeup anymore and they had to try a different way to go. So I think he was pleased with that. Plus, it made getting ready for a show a lot easier. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you could flirt a lot easier, too. You can go out and, you know, people know who he was and, and you know, get more girls that way. Hey, what's up? This is John from Seether, and you're listening to Podkiss.
to me, every time I think of the Animalize album, I think of the Heavens on Fire video, and I think of Eric Carr. There's that one part where Paul's singing, and Eric literally leaves the drums and comes bounding up from behind him, and he kind of hugs him, and they sing the lyric together. Yeah. It, it almost yeah. looks like a Muppet moment. Cause oh, yeah, well, you know that that wasn't planned, right? <laughs> I, I don't think it was. That was not planned. What, what happened was my brother just got up from the drums and decided to do that. That was not uh, supposed <laughs> to happen. So it was, like you say, a Muppet moment. Even if you look, Paul was really surprised. I know. He's got that smile on his face. They're both looking at each other like, what the hell are we doing? You know? Yeah, it was very you know, mischievous the way he looked, Paul. You know, it was really, you know, but that was not planned. Right. That was definitely something my brother just did spontaneously. So then that brings us to Mark St. John. Any thoughts at all? Great guy, because I, I actually was dealing with him before um, he passed away. He was going to do a song on the CD. Ah. There was a song called um, Midnight Stranger that my brother wrote. It was an instrumental, and he was going to put the guitars into it. He was going to do more of the guitars, and... He just never got to finish it, but, you know, that's not the important thing. The important thing is he's not here, and it's a shame. But uh, he was always really nice. Like like I said, my brother really never commented on him, other than that he was a really, you know, great guitar player. And, uh, you know, he, he was such a short time that he was in the band that you, you really didn't have, you know, a chance to get any kind of identity from him. But it was a shame that, you know would happen because it would have been nice if he could have played on the CD and played with my brother again. So then this brings us to Mr. Bruce Kulik, who you've yeah. done a lot of things with. Yes, still do, still do. He's a very nice guy. He is, yeah, yeah. He's a good one-liner, you know. He's not a talker, but he's 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 always there for me and stuff. And he works with me with the Rockheads. That's the animated series my brother left and um you know he, he's co-owner along with adam mitchell adam mitchell you know wrote a lot of the kiss songs like creatures of the night and mm-hmm. you know adam right yeah yeah adam mitchell yeah definitely very good writer Fantastic. And I, you know i talk to bruce over the internet most of the time and uh right now we're working on something with the rockets they're going to be in, inside of a comic so that should be out soon wow I was going to ask you what the status. There always is. There always is. I was going to ask you what the status was of the Rockheads. That's that's good to know something's going on. Very, 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 very hard to get something like that off the ground because if you're looking for animation, it can cost you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to get something produced, and the the money's just not here. Right. So basically, I'm taking a, a different approach to it. Bruce put out the CD, but. We're working with somebody now that uh, puts out a comic called um, Rock, Rockville Station. Mm-hmm. It's like an animation in Japan, and, and they're going to put the Rockheads into the new edition. And then I'm thinking of coming out with a plush at, uh, figure this year. I'm going to work on that. I, I said I'm going to stay focused for my brother because my brother really, really wanted this. This was before he died. This was like he was working on this till the day he died. And um, that was one of the things that he regretted the most, you know, was that it didn't take off. Which it did in 1986. He had um, some deals with Landmark and uh, Mm -hmm. Hanna-Barbera. But it kind of hit a snag. You know, Gene was helping him and Gene was part of it. And 
but it, it, it just, it, that I think was one of his biggest regrets was that he didn't accept that offer. But at that point, you know, he was in Kiss and these were his babies. You know, this was something that, you know, he, he, everybody else basically owned him, but nobody was going to own his Rockets. Right. They were his and it was going to be his way or the highway. And I admired that because he, he stuck to his guns on that. He, he wouldn't relinquish all the rights and the way people wanted to change them. So I hope that, you know, even if I could get a little taste out there of them, it, it won't all go to waste. That's great news. What were some of your favorites off of Hot in the Shade? Forever, and you got, yep. uh, uh, what's the, uh, Hide Your Heart, right? Was that mm-hmm. on there? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. was. Well, actually, the Rockology stuff. Did you ever hear Rockology? Oh, yeah. Rockology. Have it. Have it. That stuff, there was uh, somebody's waiting was supposed to be on Hot in the Shade, but they took forever instead. Now, if you heard Somebody's Waiting, that's got to be one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. I mean, it gets it chills, you know, and I have some of the, the that tapes he, he made with that, and he, he does it a cappella, and it's, it's amazing how he put all the harmony together, and the same thing with Eyes of Love, it's like, you know, the, 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 these tapes, I wish I could release them sometime, but I don't know if I'm allowed to do that, but it's just like all his acapella rehearsals and very cool stuff, but it, it's all him with Bruce um, doing, not, not the backgrounds, but the music and my brother, and it's it's just them too, and it's really great. It's really good stuff. I want to ask you about Paul Stanley. I want to ask you about Peter Chris. I want to ask you about Ace Fraley. What was Eric's thoughts on those three guys? Well, Ace Fraley... The cat's meow, loved him, and he he actually was playing and rehearsing with him when when he was towards you know when he was sick, he mm-hmm. was doing some stuff with Ace Freely, um, and Ace uh, had a house upstate, I believe, and my father and mother lived upstate, and he would go back and forth to the studio, and Ace was always like an encouraging word for him, you know, Eric, don't worry about anything, and. I'm always there for you, and, you know, if we have to, we'll do something, or this, he was always there for my brother, always, and and, and my brother always loved him, too, he was a lot of fun, he was a, a fun person. Was there any talk of a reunion around that time, of, none. okay, none, all right. No, none, I'll put that to rest, at least, sorry, not even a mention. You know, I mean, if, 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 you know, things would have turned out differently, that's a big if, you know, life has got its destinies, but let's hypothetically say that Kiss wanted to have a, a reunion tour. My gut feeling would have been that my brother would have played half the show and Peter would have played the other. Because my brother was a fan favorite, so I don't think it would just be that my brother would be tossed out. Mm-hmm. Because they could actually capitalize having the both drummers play. Now, I remember at the time reading that there was rumors, but there was nothing official that you ever heard, so that's good That's good to hear that. No, and I think I would have heard it around the house. I mean, like I said, my brother didn't come home and complain or anything, but he talked. He said things, you know, uh, about, you know, I would ask, what are you doing? Or he'd say, Mom, you know, Dad, we're working on this record. And he had very good rapport with my parents as far as, the band went. They, he'd tell them things I think that he didn't say in front of my sister or I. Right. Um, but uh, there was never any talk of, of reunion. 
I mean, at the time he died, basically, when Hot in the Shade came out, he was actually very happy because he, he said that the tour was selling out and this was, it might have been their comeback, especially with Forever. Because, you know, they had the video on MTV and everything, and when was the last time you saw Kiss being number two on, and on MTV? He uh, was very optimistic. Peter Chris. The whole band was. You know, Peter, oh, oh, definitely. Um, okay, uh, Peter, I know he, he kept in contact with him, not as much as I think people might think, but he was always respectful of him, you know, was a little apprehensive with the, when he did best. He, I guess you, you must know that he really didn't know that Peter didn't know that he was going to do that. Mm. But, I mean, that's that's written, basically, where, you know, they told him to do best, and I guess when they asked Peter, you know, this is all assumption, but when they asked Peter if they could put Beth on the CD, he probably said, yeah, no problem, but what they didn't say was Eric was going to do it. Right. But I'm just kind of assuming that, but that's why I would think that uh, Peter wasn't too pleased about that being on the album. You know, that That's his song. You know what right. I mean? And I think my brother felt that way, too. That would be like Peter singing Little Caesar. But no, my brother, he wouldn't mind. You know, that's the kind of guy he was, but it still was my brother's song. Yeah. You know, uh, um, Paul Stanley. Yeah, we're up to Paul. Got along good with Paul. I mean, Paul uh, Stanley is very, from what I gather, a very quiet person, very um, soft-spoken, always soft-spoken when he saw us, very polite guy. Um, my brother never really spoke too much about him. Paul was very, um, you know, businessy with him, but friends, like, you know, you work with somebody and... And then, you know, as far as Gene goes, we know all about Gene. My brother really adored him. Well, Gene's kind of like a big, slobbery dog, yes. whereas, whereas Paul's more like a cat. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, think that's a good de- I think that's a good definition you got there. You know, but Gene, you know, was... Uh, my brother admired him. He really did. I think he trusted Gene more than Gene realized. I think. I really do. And, you know... It, it 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 was like that till the end. What do you think Eric would be doing today if he was with us? Well, first off, he'd be the number one drummer on that list every year. Um, he would probably be, he was so innovative that he probably would have come up with something that we can't even comprehend right now because, I mean, to come up with those electric drums and to, to have him going through a computer and a church organ and at that time was phenomenal what he did. So you can you can only kind of imagine what what he what he would have been doing. I don't have his brain, you know, so I I couldn't I don't know what to tell you that he would be doing in terms of musically, but it would be something that no one else would be doing. Uh there's a book out right now by Mr. Greg Prado and he's going to be part of this episode as well. And it's called The Eric Carr Story. And of course, you've seen the book. You during our pre-interview. I'm in the book. You're in the book. You're in the book. <laughs> yeah, he did an interview with me. Great. Yeah, he's a real, a real nice guy. And my niece actually wrote the foreword, and my mom, my mom's, and dad, uh, a poetry is in the the beginning. She used to write poems to my brother. Mm-hmm. You you said something in the pre-interview, which was a very good thing to have said about the book. Can you tell me that again for our listeners? Oh, that I, when, when I read the book, I actually learned things about my brother I never knew because 
what what I was getting was I know my perspective and what I saw, but the the fan the people that he interviewed his friends Bruce Kulick, Carrie Stevens, uh, you know uh, Scott Dagger. This was one of his roadies and and a very good friend of his uh, his ex girlfriend. You know, and um, they told me things that when I read it I says oh that that's why he did that or that pieces that pieces to a puzzle that were missing and i think the fans are going to love the book i mean it's amazing because and there's a lot of stuff in there that you know is said that they're going to have to judge for themselves basically so it's a tell-all book kind of it's very very interesting so you don't have any problem with the book you obviously enjoyed it and uh, well, I enjoyed it. I learned a lot in from that book. I learned a, another side of my brother um, through the eyes of his friends, and and things like I said that may have happened. Like I knew when my brother was sick, I knew how we dealt with it, and I knew what he he was like in front of us. But then you you, you know he maybe had a facade to be stronger, and then. In some respects, you'll see one of his friends where maybe he was a little worried and he he needed more encouragement, you know. And he, because he was very sick, he was sick, he was very sick. And and but he still believed, and and as you should, that you know once his cancer went into remission, that he was going to to pull out of it. And if anybody could, my brother could. You know? mm-hmm. and, right. But that's not in the cards. God wanted him, and, and that's it. He needed a drummer. They needed a drummer, yeah. But uh, I hope John Bottom gives them a little room up there, you know. But well, maybe they're they're trading off, you know. Oh, they're jamming, yeah. Like yeah. they used to do with Genesis, yeah, the two of them. As a matter of fact, but, I have to tell you something. Uh, on this message board I run, uh, we we've been doing this thing over the last year, like who's your favorite drummer, and we finally got up to. Uh, I mean, we've went through like fifty drummers and stuff like that. It's crazy. So. So, Eric Carr beat out Peter Chris. He beat out Eric Singer by one vote. Wow. And right. right now, this week, he's up against John Bonham. And Eric would have to laugh his ass off because he's beating oh, he John be Bonham. Oh, he would be his butt off right now. Yeah, he would. And knowing my brother, if that other vote comes in, if I get enough time and I could vote another 100 times like I did previously. Mm-hmm. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> How many votes can I do? Is it Why? like American Idol that I can no, do? No, no, no. I did it on speed dial when I was doing that. But when I get, you know, when he gets to beat John Bottom, my brother would be the first one to turn around and said, "No, no, 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 you, you, no, he's better than me." He's so, 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 me. so Eric would vote for John Bottom. Absolutely, and and he mm-hmm. wouldn't believe that if he was voted better would not believe it but you know it is a kiss board so people are kind of you know kind of like the hometown boys you know My what i mean brother would vote for john bottom exactly exactly okay of, against himself yeah mm-hmm. now let me let me tell you something this this will put a smile on eric's face okay there are tons of eric car girls out there right now, in in the world of Kiss, a lot of people don't realize. See, a lot of people think of Kiss as this male, macho thing, you know, macho guys in makeup and high heels. But, um, you know, there's there's all these little sections of Kiss fandom where there's like poly girls and jean girls, ace girls, and so on and so forth. Right. They all have their little thing. Well, there's there's like 
12-year-old girls and 16-year-old girls that are still having a crush on the fox. Oh, yeah, and that's, that's, that's great. And that, that comes from, you know, you've got to remember that the parents of those kids were, were around when Kiss started and through my brother's era. So what they're doing is they're introducing them to Kiss. I mean, I have people all the time emailing me, my son, was, your brother, um, this and that and the other thing. And that, that's the generation that's coming up now. And, and I, I'm really glad that they're doing that because it'll keep my brother and Kiss going for, you know, generation after generation. You've got you to gotta introduce it to the kids. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's what Kiss fans are like because Kiss fans are, you know, diehard and and uh, the, the, you see them out there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, got eighty-year-old people wearing Kiss shirts, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm not quite that old, but I'm getting there. No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, actually, my father, you know, wore a Kiss shirt, and he's 83. You know. If only we he had a picture of him. I don't want to walk with him, but uh, you know, it's, it's... we you got to get a picture of him doing the horns. Wearing a kiss shirt, you know the horns. Oh, my father! Yeah, that would be hilarious. I I, I walk away from him in the shop, right? You know, it's like that's my dad. No, but you got to get a picture of him in a Creatures of the Night shirt doing the horns for your book. I'll get I'll get something for you. I I know he'll he'll get a kick out of that. That'll be a killer. That put that in the Eric Carr uh, scrapbook when you put it out. Okay. That should be like the first thing you see. This is how much Eric's dad loved him, right there. Boom. Oh, he loved, yeah. He, That'll he be his him. little message to all the Kiss Army out there. Uh, on the, on, the, on the, the porch, my mother has all her poems to my brother with all pictures. You know, she wrote him a poem every year for every year he's been gone. You know, mm-hmm. and she didn't complete this one, but she's with him now, so that's yeah. pretty cool. You know. God bless them both. When was the last time you saw Kiss? 2002. Okay. Did you hear about what's going on the last, uh, well, basically, the Alive 35 Sonic Boom tour? Have you heard what they've been doing? Not really. I mean, I go to the website, I read stuff and things like that, but I don't get into it as much as the fans. Right. It's not, you know. They they have all these screens, and they, 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 they play the song God Gave Rock and Roll to You. And during that song, you see like the Beatles, Jimi Hendrix, the Rolling Stones, Elvis Presley, all these great iconic rock stars that that gave us everything, you know what I mean, that brought us to this point. And all of a sudden, you see Eric Carr. You see him in makeup and, and out of makeup, and you see them walking down the halls. You see album covers. He's still very much a part of things. And that moment... That moment in in the show gives me chills, wow. and it, I'm glad that they did that. Wow! Because it's they very should, and so they should. <laughs> I think. I, oh. I think so. And 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 he they show they it. show everybody. Peter, Chris, Ace. Right. They show everybody. You know. So yeah, he should be there, my brother. This it's you know he's he the, the, half of the stuff they do is from that era. So yeah. Yeah, the kids like it too. You know, they just oh, definitely. To, when they put the makeup back on, they weren't doing that stuff, and it's nothing to be ashamed of, and it's nothing to to say it's not allowed because kiss kiss history involves all the years. It doesn't just involve one era. Because without the '80s, there wouldn't be the '90s. Without the '90s, there wouldn't have been 2000. So 
my brother's death probably changed the destiny of the band. One oh, definitely. One death can change a million people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, that's the way it was supposed to be. But at least he got his, you know, 11 years in there, and, you know, and he made a, a world of difference. He kept them going. And it was through his music, and it was through his kindness, because uh, the fans, that that's one of the things the fans remember most, just like what you said, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it was, he shook your hand. I mean, he listened to you. And you I'll never forget it. I'll never forget yeah. it. And it probably made a lasting impression that that shaped part of your life, too. Mm-hmm. You know? And if, that's how people touch you. I, I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know by what I'm going to say next, but he's still very much beloved and still an important part of it all. What would you like to say to all the fans that are out there from ages 80 to 8? What would you like to say to the fans from from you to them? Okay, from me and my family. Yeah. Um, we thank you all for you know keeping his memory alive and and for all the wonderful emails and we want you to visit the website because anything you want to contribute in terms of you want a story up there about your, your son, your daughter, that's, you know, anything my brother had to do with, you're welcome. And, you know, just just always keep a positive attitude because that's what my brother would have did. And, uh, you know, that, that's basically it. I mean, don't ever give up your dreams because they can't come true. Well, thank you that so much. Yes. Yeah, that was nice, huh? No. It was very nice. You didn't know you were quite the orator that you, you know, turned out to be, huh? No, not really. I mean, people tell me I am, but, you know, sometimes I just get into a tangent when I, you know, rattle on, but it's it's just the passion I have, you know. Well, I you, miss him, and I miss, you know, I miss my mom. Yeah. You know, but that's the way it is. Right. Everybody... Come visit com. You could reach me there. I have a great staff, and we're there to serve you. And, and you know, you have some good stories. We'll put it up. Not a problem. We, we love you. Okay? Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm going to thank you. Blush. I enjoyed talking to you. Same here. All right. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you, too, and have a great new year. All right. You, too. God bless. Bye. Take care now. Bye-bye. And that's our show. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podkist.com. If uh, you have any suggestions, comments, or just want to talk to us, drop us a line at podkist at gmail.com. Be sure to check out James's other site, which is called zombiefaq.com. For all you white zombie fans, it's the place to be. A big thanks to Julian and all of our friends over at kissfaq.com. Big thanks to all of our pals at mykisslife.net. Keith LaRue and all the staff over at kissonline.com. They do a great job representing the hottest band in the land. Our good buddy Ken at his website, which is called kissfansite.com. Thanks for all you do for the podcast, your great graphics. If you have a Kiss-related website and want us to uh, mention it in the show notes or uh, possibly talk about it on the air, just let us know and we'll see what we can do about that. As James mentioned, be sure to check out Kiss Online for links to all the individual band members' websites. And as always, a big thanks to Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memories of the late great Eric Carr, and the late great Mark St. John. You are Kiss, and we are your army. Thanks for listening. Good night.
that's all right. I'll be calling on you. You know. Okay, cool. I sound like a godfather now, right? I'll be calling <laughs> on you for a favor. Someday you may be asked yeah. to do a favor. Yes, yeah, someday you may be asked. <laughs> that was great. I'll wake up with that. That was one of my brother's favorite movies, that, and, and the Ten Commandments. Did you ever see that movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. He could sit down and watch that two, three times in a row. He used to go to my mother's, lay on the couch, put the TV on. It was Ten Commandments, The Godfather, and Scarface, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. He he could watch a movie one after the other and eat Geno Ices. That was his thing, Geno Ices by the box. Well, because that's always what I remember right. about him. It was hilarious. It was great. It was just... He he could he was a a blooper person. He would sit and watch movies, and he could point out to you every single blooper. And in the Ten Commandments, he found about six or seven. <laughs> he, there were people that were in in one scene that died that were in another scene. <laughs> there there were such phenomenal things he found. He, he had an amazing mind, my brother. Wow! Great memory too. Great, great memory.